Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Good morning. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our special guest today who happen to also be good friends. Um, Philip and Shalyn Poole are a part of our Hope and Healing series that we've been doing this entire semester. Um, hopefully you've noticed that we've invited a lot of different people and their stories into this place um, to serve as encouragement and inspiration for us as we begin to look at our own lives honestly about the pain that we may have endured already or that may be unfolding our lives and we are desperately looking for sources of hope that we can emerge out of the other side of our difficulty and our struggles into a better version of meaningful life. I've been doing campus ministry at Sanford for 17 years and one thing I know for sure is that underneath your shiny exteriors and behind your smiles and your responses to how are you doing of fine, how are you? There's always struggle and disappointment and pain. And so this semester we decided that we would take campus worship on Thursdays and Tuesdays and try to talk a little bit more openly about pain and struggle and the hope and the healing that's available to us as we walk through that. Today, Philip and Shalyn are coming to share their story. Um, Philip has been at Sanford since 2003 in public relations, and his wife, Shalyn, is an incredible partner um, to him, and she is minister to families at the church at Shelby Crossings in Calera, Alabama. And um, they have two beautiful daughters who are Sanford graduates who are married and have given Philip and Shalyn two granddaughters, and I think they also have a grand dog, which seems to be an important part of the equation these days. Um, and, and what I want to say about them more than their professional accomplishments and you know, their degrees and accolades is that these two people just live the love of Christ in our world. They are just incredible examples of hospitality and kindness and grace. When I think of the pools, I think of sort of a soft, safe place to land, that you're never going to find judgment or criticism in conversation with them but you're always going to be greeted with kindness and acceptance and affirmation. And they've had to journey through some hard places. And those hard places can often turn people like that into sort of hard, bitter versions of themselves. But they have found ways to make choices and decisions that have led them even deeper into grace and hospitality and kindness. And they are brighter beacons of hope than ever before. And so I know that you will join me in welcoming them to the stage as they share their story of hope and healing with us today. Well, good morning. There are three days left. And uh, I know what that means for you. And so the fact that you're here this morning is a blessing to us. 
Uh, I see lots of familiar faces. The football team's over here and I didn't recognize them because they didn't have their pads and helmets on and that's how I usually am used to seeing them. And I see faces of students I've had in class and I see fraternity brothers and I see students that have been in our home group uh, in years past and this year and I thank you all for being here to support us this morning. I also see some people who are graduating uh, in the next few days which makes me wonder if you still are trying to cram in combo credits or you just really loved us enough that you showed up to hear us this morning. Whichever it is, thank you. I appreciate it a lot. April referred to the fact that all semester you've been hearing stories of hope and healing. And I've been able to hear some of those and uh, some of them have focused on just major, truly life-threatening crises. And uh, others have focused on miraculous healing. Our story's not nearly that dramatic. In fact, uh, in most situations, it wouldn't even be considered a major crisis, uh, even though it was for us at, at the time that it was happening. But what we wanna share with you all today is how God helped us in that situation, or in those situations, and the importance of dependence on Him, but even more so, the importance of surrounding yourself with a community that's going to support you in difficult situations. Now, that's kind of hard to think about when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. I was there at one point. And it is totally different when you're at our stage in life. But the fact that you need a good support system and you need strong faith does not change. Our story begins about two years ago. It had been a fairly routine year, or fairly routine summer. Uh, we had, that spring, married our second daughter off in this very room. And so, because of that, there was no vacation option on the calendar because we didn't have the budget for it. And uh, if you ever have daughters, you will understand what that means. Uh, so we had decided that that summer our, we wanted time off and so we took every Friday in June and early July and did staycation. We explored some things in Birmingham that we had not had the chance to do before and so that was how we had spent our summer. It came to the middle of July. Vacation Bible School was over at church which is Shalene's big heavy project that she does in the summer. And we had spent a Friday at Lake Martin with friends out on their boat. We'd gone tubing, done all kinds of stuff. Came home the next day. I got out and spent about four hours working in the yard in July in the heat uh, doing yard stuff. No problems whatsoever except that I sweat a lot. And that was really the only thing that was any hint that there might be a problem. That Thursday morning, uh, Shlynn and I got up early and headed to St. Vincent's Hospital here uh, for what the doctors kept telling us was going to be just a very routine test. This was precipitated by the fact that uh, Dr. Mark Tacola, whom a lot of you all know, who's the physician here at Sanford, and has been my primary care doctor since before he came here. Uh, when I went in for my physical that year, he said to me, have you ever had a stress test? And I told him no. And uh, the first words out of his mouth were, well, given your age, which really didn't resonate with me very well, obviously. Uh, 
And I said, you know, is there a problem? And he said, no. He said, just want to do this to have as a baseline for the future. He said, it's going to be very routine. I'm not worried about it at all. Well, the stress test was not routine, uh, but they couldn't decide what the problem might be. And so uh, he referred me to a specialist who was very nonchalant and said, you know, I don't think there's a problem, but we're going to do this additional test just in case. We took his nonchalance so literally, we didn't tell our children I was having the test done. I just took a day off from work, didn't tell them that I was going to have a test done because they said, we'll go in, you'll be out, you'll be home by lunchtime. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's not what happened. In fact, as I was coming out of the fog from the test, I heard the doctor say, you know, you're going to be as surprised by what I just saw as I am. It turned out that I had narrowing of three of my arteries in my heart. And um, they said, you're not even going home from the hospital. We've scheduled you for surgery tomorrow morning. Well, that was a little daunting. Needless to say, we had to let our children know what's happening. And if you know our daughters, uh, they are both control freaks. And the fact that we hadn't let them know to begin with was a problem. And then there was all this drama about, okay, we're on our way, we're coming. You know, mom cannot manage this by herself. We need to be there to help her, especially our older daughter who is type A, triple plus. And uh, in fact, she said to her mother at one point, I am on my way and I can't wait to get there and find out what's going on so I can be in charge. Yeah, that's, that's what we were dealing with. But I also had to let, we had to let our work know what was happening. Uh, you know, everybody thought I was taking a day vacation and all of a sudden I was gonna be gone for eight weeks. But in the midst of all that, we never panicked, or I didn't panic, I, Shalene can speak for herself. I didn't panic because I felt very confident, A, in my faith, and that God was in control. And as it turns out, he had already been paving the way for what was happening. The fact that Dr. Tacola just said, hey, I think you need to have this test done, it's just routine. When there were no symptoms whatsoever, then when they came to tell me I was gonna have surgery, I was told that the surgeon was the absolute best in town. Multiple people verified that. He was leaving on that Saturday to be gone for two weeks and he worked me into his surgery schedule on that Friday morning. I think that was a God thing. We moved on through the surgery. We were surrounded by friends. In fact, I will tell you that the very first message that Shalene and I got after we let people know that what was happening was from Dr. Westmoreland, who texted both of us and just said, praying for you, don't worry about anything here. That's the kind of support our, our community here gave us. We were hearing from friends on social media. We were getting text messages, getting phone calls from people saying, hey, we're praying for you. Don't worry about this. And then came the surgery. I really was okay until I had to tell Shalene goodbye as they were wheeling me into the pre-op room. They took my glasses off, and those of you that know me know I am blind as a bat without my glasses. So here I am in this room without my glasses, and I've made the mistake of saying to her when she kissed me goodbye and said, I'll see you in a while, and I said, 
I sure hope so. Okay, that was a dumb thing to say for lots of reasons. That was just a dumb thing to say. And that's when I lost it. So here I am in the pre-op room, and I'm going to be honest, guys, sobbing my head off, can't see a thing that's going on. And this uh, person walks over to me and introduces himself, and he says, I'm going to be your nurse anesthetist. He said, I understand you work at Sanford. And I said, yes. He said, I'm a graduate of the Item Office School of Nursing. He said, could I pray for you or could I pray with you? Which he did. And that's all it took to get me calmed back down again. And then he introduced me to another person. Said, he's going to be with you all the way through recovery. He's also a Moffitt graduate. God placed those Moffitt graduates at St. Vincent's Hospital to be there to help me. And that was the point at which I knew I was going to be okay because I know the quality of nurses that we train in our nursing school here. Well, Philip already told you that this was a really quick thing, so I didn't have a good chance to work up a good worry. And some of you know that if you have too much time, you can really work up a good worry, but I didn't have that kind of time. I had a to-do list that was a mile long, and so I found, my, found myself on autopilot for the next 24 hours. I had to take care of things. You know, I had to go get clothes to stay at the hospital. Uh, again, Philip we had errands. I had to pick up dry cleaning. I mean, you know, there was just all kinds of stuff that had to be done before the next month, the next morning. But there was a reason why we were able to make it through the drama of heart, open heart surgery. And by the way, he didn't tell you all the good part. They cut open his chest and he has three titanium plates in his chest. Whenever they put his sternum back together, it's really kind of cool. So I told him now he can take a bullet for me. Okay, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so prior to this experience, God had been preparing us, but he'd been preparing us in a weird way. Uh, for several months, we had been going through a trial that was requiring us to spend so much time in prayer and searching scripture just to make it through the day. Uh, you know, the heart surgery was nothing compared with living day to day, knowing that you couldn't put one step in front of the other without God's help and without God's direction. So each morning we had been preparing ourselves for the day, and then when we go in and we have this earth-shattering experience, it's kind of like God, we didn't have to worry. God had already taken care of that because he had already brought us through a year plus of living day to day, searching scripture and relying on him to get us through that journey. We serve a sovereign God. You serve a sovereign God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will go through day to day trials that will require God's leadership. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will have trouble. Everybody say, I will have trouble. But God has overcome the trouble. He has overcome the world. And that's what was getting us through that, this particular crisis, which was just another step in the journey. 
I cannot imagine going through this surgery with Philip, the intensive care, which is really scary, the rehab, the walking around our house. You know, here is somebody who spent four hours outside in the yard uh, pulling limbs, raking, blowing, mowing, everything, and he literally is holding on to my shoulders. And those of you who've been in our home know that um, we, we can make a circle through the downstairs of our house. He would hold on to my shoulders, and during rehab, I would walk with him step by step, tiny steps, in order for him to build back his strength and his energy. But it was God who gave us the strength to do that. Fast forward a few months. It's the day of opening convocation of last spring semester, a year ago, and I developed a new medical problem that scared the bejeebers out of me. And I went to see Dr. Tacola, and uh, he could not find the source of the problem and kept referring me to specialists. What they discovered was I had a growth on my left kidney. The reason that scared me to death is about a year and a half prior to that, one of my very closest and best friends had died from kidney cancer that had gone undetected, and I knew what that meant. And in the course of working with the doctors and the surgeons, they kept saying that they were going to be able to deal with it, that they felt like there was a, a treatment plan that would help us. And I raised a concern about my heart surgery, and the doctor that I was working with said, actually, that's a good thing, because that's going to make you in much better shape to be able to deal with this new problem. It's going to make your recovery happen much faster. It's also going to mean that you're going to be stronger to be able to withstand the surgery. And so, again, God had been, God's timing, he'd been placing all the things in place for us to deal with this. As I said, it was a little unnerving, but the wonderful thing is it was caught. Had I not had the other problem, which, by the way, they never did find out the cause of that problem, but had I not had that problem, this is the type of cancer that probably would have gone undetected until it was too late, like happened to my friend. And so we see God's timing again in taking care of us and helping us through that process. And I'm in better shape now. Those of you all that have known me for four years, and some of you have, know that there's about 70 pounds less of me than there was before. That didn't just happen overnight, but I'm a better person now as a result of all that. Now you've heard the story of the last two years, and we are so grateful for God's intervention in getting us to through those two crises. However, one of my struggles, and I don't know if you struggle with this or not, but one of my struggles as a believer is why did God bless us with the early detection before Philip had a heart attack? Why did God bless us with finding the cancer before it was too late? 
I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who, who looks at God's blessings and going, why, why me? Why are we blessed? And this wasn't Philip's first time to experience cancer. When he uh, was 45, he was diagnosed with cancer. And this is after his sister died from cancer at age 49. And so again, it's just, and then we, we also, there's a lady in our church who was a widow because her husband had the very same thing Philip had. And why didn't God save her husband? And then there was a little girl in my church. When I first got to this Shelby Crossings, there was a precious little girl in our church who at age four died from kidney cancer. Why didn't God intervene there? And so, again, I, you know, maybe I'm the only one that has this issue. But I sometimes wonder, why am I so blessed? And, and I, my faith in Jesus is enough to know that there's a reason for everything. I'm one of those people that believes that Jesus has a, a, a reason for anything. Maybe some of you have lost let's do something. I'm a teacher at heart. This podium thing is in my way. Okay. Whenever I'm teaching, I need to know that y'all are out there. So forgive me, April. I'm, I'm going to teach instead of preach. Okay. So if you have had someone in your family, mother, spouse, sibling, immediate family, either contract or maybe you have had a heart condition, heart disease, or cancer, would you please stand? You know what I'm saying. You know you've walked the very same path that Philip and I have walked. If you have a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or somebody in your, your extended family who has had heart disease or cancer, please stand. You have seen the effects that heart disease and cancer can have on a family. If you have a friend, someone that you know personally, who has had heart disease or cancer, someone in your neighborhood, a neighbor, please stand. Those of you who have not been touched by cancer are so blessed if you've not been touched by heart disease. Now, remain standing. If the person that you knew or that you loved died, please sit down. That's over half. Those of you who are standing have walked this journey with someone that you love, someone that you know. You have seen how God has acted. He has intervened in some special way for a reason. Those of you who've lost someone, I'm so very sorry. But you have a testimony. You have a message. You have a message of hope because the death that came here on earth, we all know that for a believer, 
this isn't the end. And we also know that for a believer, this is as bad as it's ever going to be because those who have died as a result of heart disease or cancer are fully, who are believers, are fully healed and are in heaven with Jesus Christ. And holy, holy God, what a blessing. You may be seated. Thank you for letting me be a teacher. I'm going to share with you a scripture and this is from The Voice. If y'all have not discovered The Voice translation, let me encourage you to look that up. It's, be, you know, it's a little bit different than the NIV. It's comparable to the message, but in my opinion, it's, it's a little bit more uh, revealing. So The Voice, everybody say The Voice. Okay, so if you've got Bible Gateway on your phone or on your computer, go look up The Voice. But in my search for why God blessed us so, he gave me this passage of scripture. God gives me passages of scripture a lot to help me understand what's going on. This is from Psalm 71. I love David, by the way. He is just so awesome. If you ever are angry with anybody, let me just share this with you. If you're ever angry with anybody, you can read David and not feel guilty whenever he says, Lord, smite these people who hate me. Kill them before they kill me. Just sharing that with you. Okay, here we go. David says, I will keep hope alive and my praise to you will grow exponentially. I will bear witness to your merciful acts. This is what I'm going to do. This is what David is saying to God. Because you have saved me, because you have rescued me, this is what I'm going to do. I will bear witness to your merciful acts throughout the day. I will speak of all the ways you deliver, although I admit I do not know the entirety of them. I will come with stories of your great acts. My Lord, the Eternal, I remind, will remind them of your justice, only yours. You have taught me since I was young, O God, and I still proclaim the wonderful things you have done. Now as I grow old and my hair turns gray, I ask that you not abandon me, O God. Allow me to share with the generation to come about your power. You are the generation to come. Because Philip was blessed with healing, because I was able to walk through this with him, we are blessed and we have a responsibility to share with you the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his healing and what he can do in your day-to-day -day life, as well as what he can do in the operating room. Let me speak about your strength and wonders to all those yet to be born. God, your justice stretches to the heavens. You who have done mighty things, who is like you, O oh God? You have made me see hard times. I've experienced many miserable days, but you will restore me again. You will raise me up from the deep pit. You will greatly increase my status and be my comfort once again. I will praise you with the music played on a harp because you have been faithful, oh my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, oh holy one of Israel. I will shout for joy as I sing praises. 
my soul will celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. My soul will celebrate because you have rescued me. All day long, I will declare how your justice saved me. As long as Philip and I have breath, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to give our holy, sovereign God the praise and glory and honor for his mercy. And that's what it was, was his mercy who rescued Philip. We also have a responsibility to walk in obedience. And that requires daily effort. The issue that I alluded to earlier is probably going to be with us for another four, five, six, seven years. And we will have to pray and search the scriptures to make it through every day. We don't know why, other than what I've just shared with you, why God blessed us. But I'm so glad he did. We can't speak for God. We cannot require him to heal us. We can ask, but we have no right to expect it or to command it because God is God and I am not. Everybody say that. God is God and I am not. Say it again like you mean it. God is God and I am not. But he has a plan for you. He has a plan for all of us. He has a plan for you just like he has a plan for us. Our days are numbered. And I am so grateful that Philip's days stretched beyond the last two years. Holy God is in control. And we are grateful for that. Did you we hope and pray that you find hope in the stories of healing that you've heard this semester. Let me pray for you. And I'm praying for one of my favorite scriptures found in the little book of Jude, which is in the New Testament, the 24th verse. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with, a, and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all the ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.